to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Habili off the Caesar. Now he puts a kick out. Croak is there again. Oh, Jared Croaker! What a catch by the skipper! Come join us as we go Behind the Limelight. Yes, welcome back to episode two of Behind the Limelight. I'm Raider Nick, and we're basting in the afterglow of a 21 to nil victory over the Titans. How beautiful is that? Joining us once again, the Raiders media hierarchy, Benny Pollock, Tommy Logan. Hey Nick, how are you, mate? Mate, feeling great. What it's a win. It's always good after oh, a win, isn't it? 21 nil, what a performance. But it was it was about us on the weekend, and we showed that it was about well, us in beautiful way. We ticked a lot of boxes, for sure, in yeah. terms of some things that we achieved on the weekend, one being a nil scoreline for the opposition. Defensively, of, of course, that's a big, uh, a big win. Um, Aiden Caesar lobbing over a field goal towards the back end of the game. Um, something that will give him confidence for when that opportunity arises again in a game of footy uh, and some really strong performances across the park yeah. uh, and, and particularly in the kicking game. The way that the guys were able to get the ball downfield and get those repeat sets. I mean, they're all big contributing factors to the win. But having said that, you can't get carried away. It's the first game of the season. Um, we're up against one of the best teams from the past decade on Friday night at GIS Stadium, who are coming off the back of eight days rest, and we've got five. So it's going to be a massive challenge down there. Well, they're the former team. They had two trials, pretty heavily equipped, and now they've, you know, they, they handled the Broncos pretty well. So obviously a massive game at home. Let's go straight into the, the wrap-up then. Tommy, look, uh, as Ben mentioned, five deputants. Every single one of them played a really good role. Johnny Bateman's probably going to be one of the crowd, uh, crowd pleasers coming into the season. Howie, what was your take on uh, the likes of Johnny Bateman, the likes of Klockstad at the back? Yeah, it was a very complete performance from the whole team. I think everyone can hold their head high. Uh, I've been, I've said it a million times before in the office, but I've waited for this day for so long just to see John Bateman line up in green, and he didn't disappoint. Uh, we've seen what he can do in the Super League and for England, and he's looks like he's going to continue that with the Raiders, and I can't wait for it. I agree, Nick. Fan mm. favourite, definitely in the making there. He's got that little bit of an attitude out in the yeah, field that I just it. people just like. I think 15 opposition teams will, will be hating him by around 26, but I think yeah. anyone who supports the Raiders will just fully embrace him. He's, I think our, he's, our, he's man. our man. He's he, our pest. He's actually <laughs> a great guy off the field too. He's just such a humble guy. No ego, nothing like that. Just a, just a wonderful person to have at your footy club. Yeah, he's just talking to him off the field at the respective events pre-season. He's just got that little fire, that little sparkle in his eye. You just know mm. that he's just going to really work out well. What worked out really well too in my eyes and a lot of people's eyes, he got our radio man of the match was Jack Whiten. And a lot of the talk was about how he was going to go at six. He handled that beautifully. We all expected for him just to do that running kind of game and do that short ball game. But the fact that he put some kicks in. Yeah, for me, that was probably the most impressive uh, part of the game from the Raiders uh, was just those big, long, deep kicks down in towards Michael Gordon and the chase that followed it from uh, first, I think it was Jared Croker. Led by and BJ as well. Yeah, and Joey Leilua as well. I just thought that was absolutely outstanding. I haven't seen that in a long time and I just I loved it. The other part of the performance that I, I think probably didn't get the accolades as, as some of the things that we've spoken around before was the, the middle group of forwards and what they brought to the game. Um, there's been a lot of talk in the off-season about the change to the pack, no Shannon Boyd, no Junior Paulo, a bit more mobility in there. And I thought Josh Papali... He just led from the front all day. He played, I think it was about 30 minutes or maybe even 25 to 30 minutes in his first stint. Yeah. Uh, was outstanding, Led the, got the team going forward. Uh, Dynamis Louie started the game well. They brought young Corey Horsburgh into the game. He didn't look out of place in first grade. And Sia Soliola, he is just, 
He just gets better. He's like a he's fine wine. Human. He gets better with age. He get, he's a superhuman. He, t- he just tucks it under the arm and just carts it forward and gets us out of trouble. We mentioned Papa. You mentioned Sia. It's almost like they are at a point in their career where they know they're the senior guys and that kind of performance is expected each week for them. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't even be a conversation they have with their coach. You know, you've seen Papa in the past. He'll play a whole origin game on Wednesday and then two days later play 80 minutes. And we talk about conversations that the coach has in the, you know, in the corner of a change room, what's expected of you. He wouldn't need to do that with Papa. He'll just know how important he is to the team and has to bring that kind of performance each week. Corey, what I liked about Corey is he made a couple of mistakes, but he made up for them with some big defensive plays straight after. They talk about that old classic football cliche, make up for it after a mistake. Mm. Wow, geez, he tailed up some of those forwards. One of the big things I liked about that is, you know, obviously wet night, tough conditions, mistakes are going to happen. Whenever they made a mistake, the team, they bounced straight back up from it and got back into yeah. their work. You didn't see anybody drop their head, lose their bundle. It was all about what was going to happen in that next set of six. And that's where they did their talking. They just aimed up and they shut down the Titans every time. Yes, they missed their halves. They lost Tyrone Roberts in the first five minutes. Ash Taylor didn't play. Um, but I think the defensive effort of the team um, was just something that was very special. Let me ask you this, Ben. Did you notice anything pre-game coming off the bus? Was there a different vibe in the air? Was it... Could you notice anything at all pre-game? They were very relaxed, I must admit. They, they went into the they went onto the team bus, they got off the team bus at the stadium and they got, in, got into the, the preparations inside the shed. Everyone was walking around, you know, thinking about their own jobs. Um, there was no one pacing around out of the ordinary. They were just talking to each other. The messaging internally was clear, concise. Everyone that spoke, spoke with purpose and they took that out onto the field. Mm. I, I mean, I, I think... Um, that it was probably one of the most relaxed um, dressing rooms I've been in pre-game in, wow. in, 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 since I've been here. That, that's how they were. They were so composed. They just knew what they had to do yeah. uh, and they went out there and executed it. And the talk at halftime was even better. When they came in and sat around and Ricky spoke to the team, there was a few guys in amongst the group that had the opportunity to say a few words as well. And all they wanted to do was continue where they left off. They went back to the drawing board. It's Let's go again. Let's do it for another 40. Let's, let's get out there and get the job done. And they did. Well, defensively as well, I think there was about six sets and two of them were repeat sets on their own line and they didn't crumble. And another thing too, you mentioned repeat sets for us. I think probably the second worst team in getting repeat sets in a game for two years. We had like five, we had three in the first half. We, had, we, we didn't have three for half a year, let alone three and one half. So the signs of things exactly. to come. Exactly. You yeah. can't get carried away. The conditions probably were a little bit conducive to that. If you're able to get the ball in the in goal line and, and get it to stay there, then it was very hard for anyone to get out again. It was slippery. You could only run in a straight line. There was no stepping off your yeah. foot. You just go down. So, look, it's same in defence. The, um, there was probably a few more what they call free hits in that game. Yeah. Not many people using footwork at the line. Yeah. Um, on that topic, I thought Jared Croker, he's aggression in defence. Well, was outstanding. Where'd that come from? He just absolutely was whacking blokes, and that's great to see. It means they're, show, it means they're showing intent and, and putting into play all the work that they've done in the preseason. Well, all the off-season, the focus, big focus was defence, defence, defence. Was there a, a pre-game kind of energy about defence? No need to be. They, they knew what they had to go into the, into the season with. They knew their job, so they just went ahead and did it. Tommy Logan, we're basking in this afterglow of such a great win. We kept the Titans scoreless but you can very easily get brought back to Worth on Friday. Yeah, tough game. Uh, I, I have to admit, I sat there on Thursday night and watched the Storm and the Broncos, and I thought, oh, my goodness, how are we going to go next Friday against these guys? But after our performance on Sunday, it really is a mouth-watering clash. 
it's going to be great. Uh, hopefully, there's a pack crowd at GIO Stadium. Absolutely. Can't wait for I it. I think that can be the difference. So, if you're listening, get, get out, out and support the, support this team because you can make you can be the extra muscle the boys need. People would. People, experts, were tipping the Storm to miss the eight. I can't believe that. The only change, yes, they've lost Billy Slater, 300-game superstar of the game. They've only lost one player from their squad yeah. last year that made the grand final. Jerome Hughes comes into fullback, did a great job in his first-up performance. You've still got Cameron Smith in that side. Monster. They've got players in that team that are just out-and-out gun football players, and you know that's what we're up against. And It's a great test, and I'm glad we've got it early on. But you look at it last year, everyone was saying, oh, the Storm have got holes in them. Still got. They did, but they still made the GF. So Bellamy's got something going on down there. But hopefully he uh, doesn't have this Friday night. Boys, finally, predictions. I'll start with you, Tommy Logan. I reckon we're going to win probably by about 10 points and probably a try to chance on his home debut. I think that we're going to see another big battle down the middle. I'm going to see Josh Papali. He's going to play uh, 65-plus minutes this weekend. I reckon he'll be up for even close to an 80-minute performance after he's had a chance to play some big minutes last week. I think he wants to play bigger minutes, and I think he'll be out there for most of the game. The scoreline prediction, Raiders 14, Storm 10. Tight contest. Jared Croker's boot getting us over the line. A couple of penalty goals in there. I think Canberra 20, Storm 12, and BJ to go one better and score two tries and just out of match performance. Yeah, that's going to be a battle to look out for, BJ and uh, Curtis Scott. Joining us in the room, fresh after a really good performance over there at the Gold Coast, co-captain of the Raiders, English international, Josh Hodgson. Hi, Joe. How you going, mate? Good, mate. Thanks. A lot better after, as I say, after a good start. Mate, first of all, I need to ask you, pretty emotional match here against uh, your mate there in Shannon Boyd. Yeah. Apparently there were some words spoken on the field. <laughs> Can I ask you about that? Oh, no, nah, just... Not too much because I know he does enjoy that that side of thing. So we we had a job to do. So we didn't say an awful lot, but just just staring the big fella up. He it's something I used to do every day down here. He'd be chasing me around the gym and throwing stuff at me. So staring him up, pulled his top over his head, tried to a couple of times. I know he don't like so, but um, it, it was good to see him. Obviously, we went down there over with a job to do, and uh, and we did that really well. Uh, and it was nice to say you know hello after the game, and uh, he's a good friend of ours, and um, it's, it's oh, I'm glad to see he's settled down there with his family. We saw Elliot doing the same thing. Sorry, Ben. Uh, when the, when he got penalised uh, with the ball for that decoy, and uh, Big Smill gave him a bit of a stick, and he wasn't too happy about that. The big pig was he? Oh, no, it doesn't take him much <laughs> to fire up. I'm telling you, he's only got a short week. Must have been a really good feeling, though. Um, not only to get a win, but the way that it happened, you you shut them out twenty one nil. First time it, we've held a team to nil since two thousand and thirteen. So some really good signs there defensively for the team. Yeah, definitely. You know, we um, it's something we got together and spoke about towards the back end of the game. We, you know, we probably had it won there, and um, you know, in previous years we've been in that similar situation, and you know, we've probably finished. We could have maybe finished twenty one six or twenty one ten, and it probably takes a little bit of gloss off the game and, and and how good we were defensively. So I thought the attitude in terms of you know really keeping them scoreless and, and buying into that for eighty minutes and and keeping the the foot on the throat and not. You know, not letting them off because we know the game's probably won. I thought was uh, was a great step forward, especially from from recent years. Played so well in those conditions as well. The kicking game yourself, Jack White and Aiden Caesar. You got the ball into the corner in those wet conditions. Managed to get a couple in the in goals, some repeat sets. That must give you guys plenty of confidence. Yeah, definitely. We um, we knew that was going to be a big aspect of the game. I thought Jack kicked fantastic down that left edge. He's, he's been on a lot of work in, in the off season, and um, Aiden with a nice field goal there that that sealed it to you know nineteen nil at one point. Um, yeah, and it's it was always going to be important in the game where you start your sets, and especially against a team like that, we've got a very big pack. It was 
you know, we did make a, a, a few errors, which was understandable in the wet. But um, I thought, you know, our attitude in backing up our our errors and and really being really physical against a big team like that was was very good. It's one of those games where everything that you got criticised for as a team last year, you kind of turned the corner. You had agencies icing the game, kicking a field goal, making sure you got the two points. BJ Lalua, I reckon he was close to man of the match. Every every kick that went downfield, he was the first one chasing there. Two of them turned into repeat sets for you guys. Can't forget that try for scrum base as well. Outstanding performance from BJ. Defence as well, obviously. So many times we saw the Titans coming the way where Jack was standing and he would just like chop them up straight away. And towards the back end of the second half, they were going the left-hand side and Toots was there. The sting in the tackles I saw was quite evident as well. Was that something he's got together saying, let's be really aggressive against that big forward pack of the Titans? Um, you know, I think it's something we've been working on all off-season. Um, we we know we've, we've always been a team that can score a lot of points and... Um, at one time, I think we scored the most points in the comp, and, and still didn't, you know, quite me- quite make the uh, make the final. So, um, you know, the comp's always going to be won by a good defensive team. So that's something we've really worked on in the off season. And and yeah, just to touch on BJ, I thought that was a, a fantastic defensive effort mm-hmm. from him. He probably, you know, didn't get as much ball as what he normally gets and what that right edge normally gets. But I thought defensively, him, Joey Tapani and Caesar and, and Bailey on the wing who made his debut, I thought had a very very solid game and did his did a real good job and. and should really be proud of himself. I thought that full right edge was was outstanding. But just on BJ, it probably shows a maturity of not just him individually, but as your team now. You know, the, the squad that's been around for about four years now. Something tells me that Ricky didn't need to have that chat with him in the corner in the shed saying, you know, need to step up today. There's no Jordan. There's a young kid making his debut. He just took that upon himself to go that next level. Because you could just see it in his chases and in defence. Off the ball, he was brilliant. And then when he got the ball, he showed his strength. Played with three Titans bodies to that was an easy feat to score that try. No, no, I think he took the out option as well. He probably could have been barely at twenty meters of space, but that's you know he's a big, strong man and he backs himself close to the line, and so he should. He's um, he's hard to handle when he's got the ball in his hand, and, and yeah, as we touched on defensively, I thought he had a real team first attitude. It would have been um, you know easy for him to kick stones a little bit, and sometimes be a bit disappointed he didn't get an awful lot of ball. But you know he won't bother. He just kept getting down there defending for us. As I said, the full right edge did, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a great defensive performance. Five new faces all contributed somewhat during the game. Corey Hawes, Ryan Sutton off the bench, the three guys that started. But I've got to make special mention of John Bateman. What a performance! Mm. First up in the NRL, didn't play any trial games. Got out eighty minutes in the middle of the field. I think he made thirty six tackles and ran for one hundred and fifty plus meters. So that's a great sign from a guy in his first ever game in this competition. Yeah, he'd, um, we all knew what he was going to bring, those boys that know him. And um, as soon as we, me and Smelly, had the conversations with Stick that it might be a chance of coming here, we was, you know, we was telling him that we needed to get him here and we know he'll go really well here. And, you know, I've no doubt he'll, it's only his first game, but he'll kick on and, and be a successful, have a successful career over here. He's just, uh, uh, I've touched on it a few times, he's just got that natural competitive streak where he just doesn't want to get beat. And I think that's, you know, that's what you've got to have. And, um, that just shows on the weekend, as you touched on, he'd not had a trial game. That was his first hit out for us. And, uh, yeah, he put in a really solid performance. And, you know, all the boys did that um, That made the debut. But, yeah, he was a re- it was a real standout performer for us. I just love what he brings to the field, not only with his footy, but just the way he interacts on the field yeah. too. We saw what he did towards the back end of the game there. He, he faked to throw the ball at Jared Wallace and Jared flinched and he gave him a goal. You were right there. You, yeah, you were laughing yeah, your head off. You, yeah. you found that pretty funny. Oh, I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't expect it. He was, um, he's a fiery little character and I know what he's like. And as soon as he did that and started chuckling to himself, I couldn't stop laughing. It was that funny. But um, no, nah, he, he brings that competitive streak and 
you know, he gives us that little bit of aggression. He's got that. Um, he doesn't look the biggest thing in the world, but trust me, he's, he's that strong, and he just got that. He gives us that little bit of added aggression. And you know, after his first game, there'll obviously be teams talking about him now and probably target him a little bit more and expecting him to come out. But um, we've seen it internationally when we've played alongside of him. He just keeps turning up week in, week out, and um, I'm sure he'll keep doing that same job for us. We can see that fire in his eye, and we and we had a little prediction here in the podcast last week. And Benny's was uh, maybe getting involved in some melee, a bit of a melee around the ruck there. And there were times where there was in that game, I'm not sure if it was coming from, from Johnny, but do you think his, may, his best component that he brings to the team is that aggression? And on the way here, Benny, I was thinking, when was our last standover man in our team? I'm thinking the last kind of big aggressor was like a Ben Cross. from That was probably a decade ago. We probably lacked that, that guy that could probably take things a little bit too far, what we, what we need, especially around the ruck, and he looks like he's going to play that role. And I was waiting just for him to be that guy, but he showed so much more... The way he was like touching the ball twice, two, three times on each set. Yeah, definitely. As I touched on, he's um, he's the type of bloke you want in your team. I've played alongside him internationally, and I, I love playing alongside him as I do all the boys in our team. But I knew what he was going to bring, and um, you know, I, I hope he really follows in the footsteps of a few of us that have been here for a long time now, and, and um, I know he'll have a successful career here. And I hope he um, really enjoys his footing, enjoys his time here. Geez, it's a big test now. We go into a Friday night game, 6 o'clock against the Melbourne Storm, who I watch pretty much every game over the weekend, and I thought, um, outside of the Raiders, of course, they were probably the standout performance mm. in terms of what they brought. They were fast, they were up in your face, they were aggressive. Uh, they just look like a team that's been in three grand finals in a row. Yeah, well, um, they know how to get the job done, and they know what works, and they've got you know they've got some experienced blokes there, as you say, have played in a lot of finals and played Origins, and... Um, play for Kangaroos so you know they know how to get the job done and you know what you're going to get with the Melbourne Storm and you know I'm really excited about playing them um, you know off the back of a, a good defensive a good defensive week last week and um, you know plenty of it I know it's a five day turnaround but you'd rather do them at the start of the year when you're a bit fresher than you know mid to back end of the year so um, really excited about the challenge it's first home game and, and against a good team these are you know these are the games you want to be in and this is why you play the game so yeah then we got Newcastle after that and uh, and then the Cowboys away so we've got a good run coming up and um, you know we, we it's an off it's often a cliche no one really likes hearing it but we are really uh, focusing on you know being good ourselves and I think that was what we did really well on the weekend we didn't really you know, fret too much about what they was going to throw at us. We just kept turning up, and you know, we we was very good. But you know, these are these are a different kettle of fish this week. And um, the Titans lost the halves on the weekend, so that probably took a little bit of shape that they was probably planning on throwing at us. And the weather didn't help as well. So um, this will be a little bit of a different test for us this week, but one we're you know really excited about. Being a competitor yourself, Hojo, what's the preparation for yourself personally going to bed at night, knowing that you're up against Cameron Smith, Australian captain, the number nine? Obviously, won't uh, won't let him come into our backyard. You've played and, a lot of footy against him, and too. Yeah. at different levels as well. What's it like for Josh Hodson going to bed the night before teaming up against uh, the Australian number nine, Cameron Smith? Um, but honestly, um, and this is genuinely honesty, I, I really don't look at a little personal battles like that. Um, you know, you obviously look at the better players in the team and what they do well to get their team on the front foot. So you're obviously going to look at Cameron and look at his kicking game, and mm. you know when he likes to get out and, and hold feet up. Um, with his with his skill at close to the line, so we obviously look at certain areas like that. But on an individual basis, of me getting you know one up on, on my opposite number, you know I'm not too fussed about. Um, I just more concentrated that we get the job done. You know I think nine times out of ten, if your team gets the job done and you have a successful game, you you, you 
probably beat your opposite number anyway. But so. even, even as a whole, too, he's, he's so influential around that ruck. Yeah, of course. Not just is, yourself. Yeah. Everyone has to kind of know and be ready to, ready for him for what he does. Yeah, that's it, mate. And that's the same with, with all the good players in, in this league. You know, Munster's the same. Munster can create something out of nothing. I remember trial last year. He was just bouncing around. There wasn't much happening. Sticks a left foot and a palm on somebody, and he, he was through and scored. And, um, you know, so they've got a few, a few key players. And, um, as I said, we've just got to make sure we're on. I don't really uh, ever really look at the individual battles. I just, you know, if I'd rather play play bad and us win than me have a good game and us lose. Talking just, about your personal battles, I tell you, I won't be running straight at. Is Nelson Asafa Solomona? He levelled out Matt Gillette last <laughs> yeah. weekend. I'll be, I'll be having eyes up him. to see if you see him in front of you. Yeah, he didn't miss him, did he? Jeez. <laughs> Who gets the right of overcalling? Is up to you to really decide which way the play goes. Is it is it more about your vision or, or the two halves? Oh, look, we. You know, you've got to play what you see. So, you know, if if I, if I see someone, obviously I'm the first one with the ball in my hands. I'm obviously going to go to what I see. But, you know, sees sees stays our ship and, and he knows that and he, he bosses where we're going, what we're doing. And, um, you know, so more often than not, if Jack calls something, it's probably going to be on. So um, if the, we have, a, I've, as every team does, we have an overcall. Um, you know, and you call that if you want the ball in your hands because there's something going to happen. And, yeah, we the set players kind of run by sees as a traditional number sevens are in most teams. And mm-hmm. then... You know, if Jack sees something, he'll, he'll be calling for it. Well, mate, good luck on Friday night. It's a massive occasion, first home game of the season. We're hoping a big crowd gets out there. And thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I think we're 25% of our listeners last time you were on were from Hull. Oh, so we're yeah. expecting, <laughs> expecting a similar <laughs> listenership from across the, uh, well, we are across the, the ocean now. now. Yeah, we are the team uh, Abbey Road. So the oh, I, got, I copped a bit of stick for that. Good stick, but good. <laughs> that, that was, was a great good, fight. Yeah. It, was, it, was it was all taking the mick and saying, awesome. I wish you had as much hair as they had. So that, was, <laughs> that was the main bit of stick I copped. But no, nah, uh, thanks for having me, boys. And, and no thanks worries. for the listeners, everybody at home and, and here in Australia. Good luck, Ojo. Thanks, mate. Celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Green Machine's epic 1989 Grand Final victory. G'day, this week we catch up with a strapping number nine that was so brilliant getting the team out of dummy half against the Tigers that day. The game also held what was to be a long and entertaining rival with the Tigers number nine that day, Benny Elias. The man they called Boxhead Raider, number 78, Steve Walters. Sit back. As we go back in time to 89. G'day, Nick. How are you, mate? Mate, I am great. First of all, congratulations being inducted in the inaugural Hall of Fame for the Canberra Raiders. Must be a great feeling to be acknowledged for something that happened 30 years ago. It was. I had a terrific night down in Canberra and um, great to see some old faces, some faces that brought back good memories and also great to see the uh, current boys and uh, get a chance to catch up with them before the season started. Now being the 30th anniversary of that wonderful win, if you can take us back to that season, of course, that massive home run that you did, you won nine in a row. People forget that. And you, it does get a bit lost that we had to win the last, we won nine in a row. I think we had to win the last five to make the finals and one of the games in particular, I remember, was over against the Bulldogs, mm. which we were expected to win and we struggled. We were losing at half time or early in the second half, but um, we got there in the end, yeah. Come to the grand final breakfast. You mentioned that uh, they mentioned all the Tigers boys were announced uh, during the breakfast, but when it came to the Raiders, they mentioned, and here we have Mal Meninga and Gary Belcher and, oh, the rest of the Canberra Raiders. You always say that that really fires up and Tim Sheen's really leveraged that and said, they don't know who you are, let's tell them who we are. Yeah, you're 100% right. People... I suppose because what happens now is you're going to look at the team and you're going to think, oh, I've got bad all those blokes, Australian players, you know. But 
what you've got to remember is that in 1989, apart from Marlon and Gary Belcher, who were established, you know, professionals and Australian players, um, uh, Ricky Stewart and Laurie Daly and Brad Clyde and, and the like were just youngsters coming through. Mm. And I think they might have played a game for Origin that year, but, uh, you know, certainly uh, not, not household names, if you like. And, and that um, grand final was the first of, you know, steps of, you know, what their status in the game ended up being. Mm. Well, including yours, of, of course, uh, we always talk about, obviously, it was quite transparent externally watching you through your career that your biggest opponent, your most your most challenged opponent was Benny Elias, uh, obviously at origin level as well, and you were kind of fighting for the, the Australian test jumper. But was that the start for you, <laughs> edging one over Benny? It was certainly the greatest moment for me from, from my career thus far, and he was certainly an established, you know, one of the real stars of the game then, Benny, so... It was um, great to, to to have a you know good for the confidence personally to mm. to have a win uh, uh, for the team and over you know in the grand final over them. But really interesting with Balmain because they were in the grand final two years in there and you know one of the real powerhouse teams at the time. But after we beat them in that grand final, they just never recovered. I, yeah. I remember uh, we played them in a pre-season trial you know the next you know, couple of months later and we flogged them and they just they just were never the same team again after that game. Box, you spoke about. Winning became a habit, and you were down twelve-two in probably the biggest games of your lives. What was the feeling like there in the sheds? I know Mal and Sheens, you really rallied his on and and kind of dismissed any negative feelings. That thought, hang on, we're still in this. Just kind of, you went up a gear towards the end there. And once you got a sniff, and especially when Sully kicked that field goal, it's like you were never going to lose from there. Yeah, I mean, it looks like that now. I must admit. Um... It was a long time ago, so my, my, my recollection's aren't great, but I do remember at half-time, I, I would say sulking is how I'd say it. I was trying to keep my head up and listen to what uh, Shane was obviously telling us, you know, highlighting all the good things we've done and keep your heads up. And But all I can remember thinking, well, I think it was 12-2, and I thought, that's this just sucks because we've been mm. the better team in the first half and they got a couple of lucky tries when we're coming and we're losing. So it was a bit difficult there, but luckily, you know, I had a really good captain and coach and, driving home those things and we got off to a good start again in the second half you know uh, I think that was really important I don't remember if we scored but I remember we got off to a good start and I thought you know we are and they're still we just got to hang in there and, and yeah and, and, and things panned out obviously great in the end there and obviously the spoils of winning what what was the feeling like if you can remember just walking off the field and then when all that stuff, when you've showered, when everything was kind of cleared and all the, the hype around the premiership was kind of in the distance now and you, all you were left with is what you achieved, what was it feeling like? Was it a feeling of accomplishment? Was it a feeling of we've done a really good thing for Canberra here? Yeah, a bit of that, mate. I'm, uh, and again, it's a long 30 years ago. But I, I just remember taking, it taking ages to sink in mm. because, because we were such long-priced underdogs, if you like, and... You just walked around thinking it took a long while to absorb that you'd actually won. For me, I just remember smiling and couldn't stop thinking we actually won this, and it takes mm. a long time because just, I don't know if you'd say you weren't expecting it, but we weren't favoured to win, and we got in there, and, and all of a sudden it's gone through all those things, and it just makes it a little bit more surreal if you like it. And all of a sudden you're walking off, and you think, oh, well, that's it, full time, and we've won. So uh, it just seemed a little bit unreal at the time. I remember that, you know, it just took a long time to sink in. It's just great, and especially with all the partying at the Raiders Raiders nightclub too in Queensland. After all that, yeah, it was a this exciting time, you know, because the Raiders got off to a bit of a slow start, you know, in the early days didn't mm. do particularly well those first couple of seasons, and hadn't really been in the in the mix much at all until '87, you know, and then had a couple of good years and were 
and just, you know, limped into the finals that year even, so it was exciting, you know, copped a bit of flack over camp of being full of politicians and a city with no, you know, soul and all that sort of stuff, and it was just a, a great time for the whole town. It was a really exciting time, you know, and everyone's got a bit of a, a buzz out of the wind, you know, whether you're a Raiders or a league supporter or not, it was just a great time for the area. Box, you mentioned that quote, uh, Canberra has a soul. That was coined by Dean Lance. I spoke to him last week on this podcast, and the last question I asked him was, look, life's about uh, the experiences at Shapers. Now, you were involved in a grand final there, which is deemed to be the greatest grand final of all time so far. Is there one component in that game that you take into life today? Lance, he spoke about the will to, to not give up and to know that you might be able to see it just yet, but if you just keep hanging in there and keep putting in, the rewards will come. Quite philosophical there, but is there anything that you've taken out of that 80 minutes that you kind of put into life today? Uh, I don't know if I get that deep and meaningful, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm, I'm talking to a Walters. I, I should be so silly. <laughs> we're, we're a bit shallower than that. I, I would say more. I just remember thinking, oh, that's a lot of fun. I'll have some more of this. <laughs> it was just a great time, you know. You go through life, whether you're footy or whatever, you got to make the most of it and enjoy yourself, and that's as that's as much fun as you're going to have. I can, you know, I've had other good moments in my football career, but certainly nothing went past uh, that particular. And I didn't have a great game; I had a steady game myself, but just being part of the team and uh, enjoying, you know, nothing has surpassed that in my football career. That's for sure. It was just a great time. I think you're a bit hard on yourself there, Box. You definitely got the boys out of dummy half and. Yeah a favourite uh, for the Mighty Green Machine. Steve Box, Ed Walters, thank you very much for joining us on the Turn Back in Time to 89 on the Behind the Limelight podcast. We're on, Nick, and go to the Green Machine in 2019, mate. See you, mate.